Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs and Pastor Keith Radke of River Community Church in West Jordan. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for today's conversation. Welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I am Pastor C. Pearson, your host for today in studio with Heather Zander from Key Radio's own Mike and Heather in the morning. Um, and welcome, Heather. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, so I know. <laughs> I know. For those of you that are regular listeners, Pastor Keith Radke usually runs the ship here for uh, Shouts of Grace, and he is taking a couple weeks off so he can prepare for some things. And um, super exciting news, him and I will be talking about on the next episode, we had a chance to go to Cuba together and um, just to train some pastors. And so we'll talk a little bit about that and, and the foreign mission field and just the, the the call to really be engaged in the Great Commission and what that looks like for all of us, um, where we're living in our workplace and, and, of course, where what we do and where we go through our, through our church affiliation. And so um, look forward to that next week. But um, this week, Heather, we're actually continuing a series that we started um, last week um, on a Q&A. So we, we send out invitations to our churches and, and, and certainly through Shouts of Grace Radio as well that um, if you have any questions, any Bible difficulties that um, that you want answered, that send those in. And so we, we kind of compiled a list of those and we took care of about four of them last week. And so we're going to look at a few more this week. And so I'm going to just jump right into it. And this next question comes from Bo. And Bo says... What was Paul referring to when he said that if anyone comes to you with another gospel, let him be anathema? What is the other gospel? And and that that's a that's a great question. Well, um, first, just define what anathema means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, anathema is actually a word that means accursed, and, mm-hmm. and it's the it's the strongest New Testament word um, that means really a curse to the lowest depths of hell. I mean, you can't get any more. Uh, harsh than that strong language it it is and so when you hear that type of language from the apostle paul you're going to want to listen to what he says because it's it's super super important right and Mm -hmm. so what he's saying um and 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 i assume you're you're talking bo about galatians um chapter one um where paul says that if we are an angel from heaven come and we preach any other gospel to you let them be uh, anathema i say to you again if we are an angel from heaven so he he emphasizes it twice so this is super important to him because the gospel is super important to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Bo, the reality is, is we live in a world that has so many different perversions of the gospel. You know, we're, we're not just talking about, we, in, in your question, you said, what is the other gospel? Well, the, the gospel that Paul is talking about there in the book of Galatians, remember, he's talking to a group of people who, who, who we call Judaizers. And what they've done is they've perverted the grace of God. And they're saying that, salvation from God actually comes through God's grace and your works. And that's, yeah. And and he'll even go on to say at the end of the book of Galatians, he'll say, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to perfect this in the flesh? And so he's kind of telling you what the other gospel is. It's beginning in the spirit that you're saved by grace, but then trying to perfect this grace in your own effort, in your own works, 
you know, through your own flesh. And, and that is the other gospel. So, so Bo, that works its way out in a lot of different avenues. It's not just this one thing, but it's, it's, it's any effort that we put forward that, that basically says God accepts me because of this, what I offer to him, not solely on what Christ has offered. What do you think, Heather? Oh, I think you're right. And I think that the gospel is so simple. And when we start adding things to it, we take away the glory of it. We just take away Mm. from it. And let's just put it in this respect. If we are so messed up that we need saving, if we add anything to it, we're going to mess that thing up. So it's... (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but, you know, there's a song that says, Jesus paid it all, right? Mm. And he paid everything for us. And and I think it begs, we need to talk about what the gospel is, what the true gospel is, so that we can recognize the false gospel that's pervading our Heather, culture. Heather, what, what is the true gospel? Well, <laughs> Un, the unadulterated oh. true gospel, simple and easy. Okay. Well, here we are. We're sinners, right? We come into this earth. We are sinners. That's it. Okay. And the wages of sin is death. Okay, so what do we earn as because of sinners? Well, we don't get to go to heaven and not any works of our own will get us there. We are already condemned. When Mm. Jesus came, he said that he didn't come to condemn the world because the world is condemned already. That's harsh. So Mm. that means you and I, we're condemned for eternity in hell. And that's unadulterated. Mm. I'm not trying to make that all pretty and nice because that's just truth. And we need to hear that. And good gospel is good news. It means good news. And that that's why we need to understand how bad the bad news is. Mm. But God being rich in mercy because mm. of the great love for which he loved us, he sent his son Jesus to come to earth and he lived a sinless, perfect life. Okay. Like a substitute, like we couldn't do it. He did it. But then he ended up dying. Okay. We, his own creation put him on that cross, but he did that. He allowed that to happen. He's not a reluctant savior. This is not something that accidentally happened. And Jesus paid for our sins. He died the death that you and I deserve Mm. what we earned. (laughs) Mm. And then he defeated death by rising on the third day. And now what we do is we just trust that Jesus paid for our sins, put our trust fully in him, and we will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's really it. It's the simple, and there's nothing more that we can do to be saved because Jesus paid for our sins entirely. Amen. And I'll say this, Bo, adding to that, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, "For For your sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in, in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, you know, when we talk about the other gospel, it is a gospel that regardless of what, what you know, platform of religion it comes from, it is a gospel that exalts the righteousness of man and debases the righteousness of God. And, 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 and that is, is an affront to what Christ has done. It, as a Christian, I understand, Bo, that, that, that what Christ has done for me on the cross is pay for my sins for sure exactly what heather said but the exchange is Mm mind-blowing he gave me his righteousness so not only did he become my sin but i became god's righteousness that if you dwell on that for a while bo you you, your mind will be blown that that when god looks at you he sees the righteousness of christ despite your practical 
tendencies to sin. How I mean, can you add to that? How can you add to that, Heather? <laughs> right? I'm like, are you serious? Oh, <laughs> so, man. so that's that's the gospel, and anything that would would taint that, Paul would say, be careful because that's another gospel. And for those that would suggest, well, you know, how important is it? The Apostle Paul said, if you grab that other gospel, you're anathema. You're accursed. There's, let me put it in plain language. There is no salvation for you in that because you have to stand before God with the tainted reality of your sin and your you know, bad works and your good works, which, you know, people think are are on this scale that kind of goes up and down. No, God sees the bad. That's it. Because everything has been tainted with that nature that we have in sin. So that has to be forgiven and wiped clean. And that is only done in Christ. And so so any other gospel is no gospel at all. It's not good news. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, thanks, Bo, for that question. Great question. Um, I want to go to our next question. The next question is from Derek. Derek says, me and my wife recently had a discussion about the end times. We are wanting to know why there are so many views and which one is right. Wow. (laughs) Well, Derek, um, let me say this. Let let me begin by saying that, that Jesus does refer to there being an element of mystery concerning the end, right? And and so I think we all we always need to keep that in mind. And also, Heather, that there are things that we stand firm on mm-hmm. when it comes to our our beliefs and our doctrines, things that are that are paramount to to salvation. And 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 and, and those things didn't come from a council like a lot of people suppose. They actually come from the word themselves. Like when Jesus would say, if you do not believe that I am ego me, you will die in your sin. He just defined an essential for you. You're going to die in your sin if you don't believe that I am. And that's that same voice that's crying from the bush in Exodus chapter three, when God himself says, I am who I am. So Jesus is making reference to that and saying that those who don't believe that will actually die in their sin. You see the same thing when it comes to the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, that that if we do not believe in the resurrection of Christ, we are of men, all men most miserable, and we are still in our sin. And so the the Bible defines for its for us what the things are that are essential. When it comes to the matters that are not essential, and and you know, that that is a, a debate in-house that we have with each other. They're never things that we ultimately want to divide on. So, so yes, they're important, but they're not important enough to say you're outside the community of faith, right? Um, but, but they are important um, for this reason, Derek, is because oftentimes the way we view, particularly in, um, in line with end times, how we view things becomes the lenses through which we look at other scripture, and 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 that does have an impact on on kind of our perception of things. And so in this question, um, as far as the, the end times and which one is right. So, so there are, there are several views. There are four main views. There's what's called amillennialism. There's what's called postmillennialism and there's called, and there's what's called premillennialism. And within premillennialism, you have what's called, um, dispensational premillennialism and you have what's called classic premillennialism. And so, Here's here's what they ultimately say. Uh, premillennialism 
or dispensational premillennialism usually takes the Bible very literally, meaning that that when we look at it and we say, for instance, that a thousand years is determined in, in Revelation 20, that Christ is going to reign for a thousand years, we believe it means a thousand years. We, we don't believe it's a period of time. We, we believe there's specificity to that, right? When you get into post-millennialism, post-millennialism, oh, I can't even talk, Heather. <laughs> That's a that's a tongue twister. It say. is <laughs> postmillennialism believes that that those would be more allegorical as well as amillennialism. And so, what I want to do um, after this after this break is kind of unpack those a little bit and show you kind of what the lenses are. Um, and 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 I'll give you my personal view on it, um, and then we can kind of unpack that a little bit. You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. At Shouts of Grace Radio, we're thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airwaves with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for the conclusion of today's conversation. Okay, welcome back. Two Shouts of Grace Radio. I'm in studio today with Heather Zander from Mike and Heather in the Morning and Key Radio. And we are having our second um, session on our Q&A, taking and fielding questions from our, our email listeners. Um, and we are tackling uh, Derek's question where he says, me and my wife recently had a discussion about the end times. We are wanting to know why there are so many views and which one is right. And so before um, the the break, Heather, we had kind of discussed uh, what, what the what the four main views were. Now, I will say this to you, Derek. I personally um, have a lot of friends who who live in the amillennial camp. They're they're very smart. They're very intelligent. I have a few that live in the in in the in the postmillennial camp, and then I have a lot that live in the premillennial camp. And so I am a premillennial premillennialist. Um, I do believe, um, and and in addition to that, I'm a dispensationalist. So so I do believe that God has shown Himself and work Himself. Um, his 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 efforts and his plans through different times and different dispensations. And um, for me specifically, I am comfortable with a literal interpretation of Scripture unless allegory is warranted. And and I think that's for me that's that's the healthiest place to be um, in regard to the the end times. Um, I believe that Jesus Christ will return to the earth. I think Zechariah 14 talks about that the Lord will set His feet upon the Mount of Olives. Um, and he will make his way down to a temple that that will be built. I believe that's literal. Um, I believe that Jesus, being the Son of David, will rule and reign for a thousand years, literally on earth. I believe that's that's not figurative. And 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 I understand. I have friends that think different, and, and that's that's completely fine. But the bigger part for me of of the dispensational premillennialism is the nation of Israel. Is because I don't believe that Israel is the church, and I don't believe that the promises given to the church are given to Israel. I, I, I think I think God has a people. Now, we're perfected the same way. Israel's not perfected any different than the blood of Christ. And so, you know, but when you look in the Old Testament, there are national promises that are given to to the nation of Israel. And I know I have friends that disagree with that, and that's fine. But in the end, um, I believe the two will be one in Christ. 
um, and the two will be united. But I do believe God has a plan for the nation of Israel, his people who have rejected him. And we are living in an age of grace right now when it comes to to the church. And so, um, you know, for 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 those that would that would think differently, um, you can call Mike and Heather in the morning at, um, <laughs> and you can talk about that. But but, you know, Heather, I, I do want to emphasize this because because there are so so many people in these different camps. I, I think we do got to be careful with with not making a huge deal out of this where we don't have that type of fellowship. Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean? Well, I think first things first. I mean, I think there's great blessing in studying this. I really do. And, and I, I've studied it for a lot myself and that's besides all the left behind books. I just want you to know, (laughs) (laughs) but I think we need to come back to maybe John 14, one through six. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Believe also in me. He goes on to say, um, that and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take mm. you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And then he just says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No matter what we believe on that end times thing, we always have to remember that it's King Jesus. It's all Amen. about him, even at the end times. We focus our attention on Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Amen. And I would I would concur with that 100%. And, you know, I would just say to you, to you, Derek, you know, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you're going to ultimately land in, in, in one of those areas. Um, you know, th- there are a couple of other um, areas of end times. There's something called partial preterist view, um, which, which, you know, I personally got, got some issues with. And then there's a full preterist view, which I would have serious, serious issues with because that actually, that view actually denies the second coming of Christ and saying that he's actually come already. And, and Paul actually had some words for two men who were teaching that when he called them out, um, in, in, in the book of second Timothy. And so, um, I hope that helps Derek, um, feel, feel free to write back in if you need clarification or you can, um, contact us at, at, um, at shouts of grace radio.com. And so I want to go to our next question. Our next question comes from Janet. Janet says, I was talking to my neighbor last weekend. They go to a different church than I do. They were telling me that my church didn't have the authority to act in the name of God because we didn't have the priesthood that they do. I was super confused. Can you clear that up for me? Yeah, Janet. Um, great question. And I'm guessing that that you probably have some friends in Utah, we, we we live in a place where there's a predominant religion. I've got many friends myself there, and and I just think they're mistaken on this. I, I think they don't um, they don't understand the what the Bible says about this, and so you know disagree with them lovingly. But but I think there is a biblical answer to this that will answer your question. Um, the the framework of your question exists in this idea that there are two priesthoods um, that that are the authority of God. One is the Aaronic priesthood, um, or the or the Levitical priesthood. The two are synonymous, and the other is the Melchizedek priesthood. And 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 your, your friend probably believes, if if it's if it's you know what I think it is that that they hold both of those, but the greater is is the Melchizedek priesthood. And this idea that that you have you, you need this in order to have the authority of God to act in his name to it's it's considered the power of God and so I just want to I want to point you to Hebrews chapter 7 and 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 I would disagree with that because of what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 that there is a contrast between the representation offered in Aaron and the representation offered in Christ the two priesthoods that are mentioned the the Aaronic priesthood 
and the Melchizedek priesthood. One is held by a group of men. The other is held by one man. And I want you to listen to the contrast in verse 11 of Hebrews 7. If perfection could be attained through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? For there is a change in the priesthood. Where there's a change in the priesthood, there's a necessity of a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord, our Lord has descended from Judah and in connection with the tribe of, with, in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. And so the first thing I want you to see there, Janet, is the contrast between the two representations, the one offered in Aaron and the one offered in Christ, is that the one offered in Aaron, he's going to go on to say, is one that has to continually be handed down from one person to the next person because by reason of death. So what they offered in their mediation was temporary. It could not be a continual priest because they were temporal people. But this priest who arises, not after the order of any priest spoken by, spoken by Moses, he exists by the power of an indestructible life. There is a huge contrast there. The, the representation in Aaron was temporary because they were temporary. The representation in Christ as that of the Melchizedek priesthood is eternal because he never ends. He doesn't have a destructible life. But then he goes on and he says there in verse 18 of, of, of Hebrews 7, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness for the law made nothing perfect. For the law made nothing perfect. A better hope, however, is introduced through which we draw near to God. For, he goes on to say, it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood. Listen to this, Janet. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that he should have, we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Here's the contrast, Janet. The representation in Christ is an untransferable priesthood because he doesn't need to give it away. It's his. It's his because he's the only one who's holy, undefiled, separate from sinners, and who's able to live to make intercession for those who come to him. All the other priests before in Aaron died and had to pass their priesthood on. They were neither holy. They were neither undefiled. They weren't separate from sinners. They were a part of sinners, seen in the fact that they had to offer sacrifices for their own sins. This priesthood, this representation in Christ is his and his alone, and no one dare touch that because it was his by virtue of his death on the cross. And so 
Janet, nobody holds that priesthood except for one. And what he talks about there is that this priesthood, this first priesthood, gave way to the second because it was imperfect. If perfection could come to the Levitical order, what further need would there be for another priest to arise? Christ is the perfect priest. He is the perfect representation. And there is no one else that holds his priesthood. Your neighbor is wrong. You know, this as nice as we can be, <laughs> your, your neighbor is wrong because nobody dare infringe upon this representation offered in Christ. And so I hope that helps. We're actually drawing to a, a close this this uh, this kind of last session of Q&A. Heather. Yes. Thank you for being with uh, thanks us. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. This has been great. <laughs> awesome. Using the studio here at Key Radio. Um, encourage you guys to listen to Key Radio on the morning with Mike and Heather from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. weekly. Um, God bless you guys and hope that you tune in to the next episode of Shouts of Grace Radio. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio. Practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith. Shouts of Grace Radio is a joint outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah, and River Community Church in West Jordan, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show, and from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. 